0: Are you happy with how assertive you are? I'm guessing probably not, since you're listening to this. But do you know anyone who is more assertive than you? Yes? You're sorted then. I'm going to explain how, with a bit of Aristotelian help. Listening to the Academic Imperfectionist. I'm Dr. Rebecca Roach. I'm a coach and a philosopher at the University of London, and week by week, I'll be drawing on philosophical analysis and coaching insights to help you dump perfectionism and flourish on your own terms. Do you ever wish that you were more assertive? Do you wish that you were more confident when it comes to advocating for yourself or that you could say no more easily? I know in the past i said yes to things that I knew I didn't have the energy or the inclination to take on. I know that sometimes when I've been asked to do something and when somebody's assumed that I'll do it, I haven't said no. I've been afraid to say no. And if I reflect on why that is, it's stuff like the fear that I'm going to look selfish or arrogant if I refuse or that I'm going to disappoint people. Or it might be that... I've set a precedent in the past of being accommodating and that people have come to expect it. And I've kind of tied into that now. And then there's just this background feeling that there's just no way for someone like me to get the outcome that I want here. There's no way for someone like me to get out of this situation. I just don't have the right personality, the right social skills, the right relationships with people. Now, I'm not quite as bad as I used to be about this. I am more assertive than I used to be, but it's an ongoing battle. There are still times when I feel like I ought to do things that I don't really want to do, or I'm afraid to let people down by not doing something that they want me to do. And I know from speaking to various clients that I'm not alone here. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to share with you some strategies that I've used on myself to become assertive and to become more comfortable with being assertive and which my clients have also been trying. And here's a funny thing about assertiveness. Despite the fact that it often feels like we're trapped, that we have to take on work that we don't want to do, or we're unable to speak up and make our voices heard, despite the fact that acting any other way can feel impossible, it's usually the case that we do know people who in our shoes, in a situation like that, would get the outcome that we want. We know people that can say no. We know people who can be assertive while still being polite. We know people who can advocate for themselves, who can prioritise their own interests in the way that we wish we could. And that knowledge tends to show up when we have thoughts like, she wouldn't let herself be treated like this. She'd stand up for herself. She's just naturally more assertive while thinking about... Another person who we know, who we might work with, or maybe just somebody that we admire but who we don't know personally. The fact that we have those thoughts shows that we recognize that it's not impossible to be assertive, to prioritize our own interests without causing some kind of disaster. The fact that you have thoughts like that shows that you do know it's possible to be assertive in the way that you want to be assertive. You just don't think it's possible for you. And what that shows is that it's your self-conception that's holding you back. You've constrained your own options by thinking about yourself in a certain way. And I'm going to talk about how you can get beyond that. Now, you're probably wondering where Aristotle comes in. And this isn't going to be a lecture on Aristotle. I don't want to come over as an obsessive philosopher who wants to shoehorn Aristotle into a podcast that's not really about philosophy. So if you want the lowdown on Aristotle's philosophy, this isn't the place you're going to find it. But there are some insights about the way that he approaches thinking about life and how to live, which are really useful here. Aristotle was concerned with the question of how to live a good life, just in general, for humans. Well, not just for humans, but that's what we're going to talk about here. And he thought that for humans, living a good life involves having a virtuous character. And having a virtuous character involves developing the character traits that lead you to do the right thing naturally. So when you're faced with a decision about how to act, you barely have to think about it. You're just the sort of person that does the right sort of thing naturally. Now, those character traits are virtues, And for Aristotle, virtues are the midpoint on a spectrum between two vices. The vices are what you want to avoid. And doing the right thing involves steering a course in between the two vices. So some examples here. Courage is a virtue, according to Aristotle. And he saw courage as existing on a spectrum between cowardice and recklessness. So cowardice and recklessness are traits that we want to avoid. They're both too extreme. But somewhere in between them, we find the virtue of courage. And so that's like a sort of Goldilocks point between those two extreme points. Other examples, tact is a virtue that we find between dishonesty and brutal honesty. So we want to avoid either being overly dishonest and we want to avoid being so brutally honest that we go around upsetting people. And so somewhere in between those two extremes, we find the virtue of tact. What I want to suggest to you is that when you're faced with a choice between two ways of dealing with a situation, each of which seems unacceptable, think of it in Aristotelian terms. So take the example of assertiveness. If you think of yourself as a not very assertive person, the chances are that you don't change because you're worried about seeming selfish and arrogant if you do anything else. And that's really black and white thinking, where you have this binary choice between completely ignoring your own interests and acting completely selfishly. Now, with our Aristotle hat on, we can recognise that those are both vices. And when we think about what we should be aiming for instead, what the virtue is here, we're going to find that somewhere in between those two vices. Whenever you find yourself faced with a choice between your overly accommodating default and being an arrogant nightmare if you stray from that default, think of the spectrum. Think of those options occupying the far points on the spectrum and then give some thought to what it might look like towards the middle of that spectrum. So this Aristotelian framework is, I think, a good antidote for black and white thinking. And with something like assertiveness, which a lot of people struggle with, and especially a lot of women struggle with, it's really helpful to have this reminder that there is a spectrum of positions, that it's not all about being either a pushover or arrogant. Now, with character traits that we tend to feel less anxious about, we're not tempted to think in black and white terms at all. So if you take the example of honesty, we have No trouble recognising that too little honesty and too much honesty are both problematic for different reasons and that the right course of action involves steering a middle course somewhere. And it would be really quite bizarre if we were to encounter a dishonest person who is reluctant to change their ways because they think to themselves, well, if I stop being dishonest, I'm going to end up being brutally honest and I'm going to offend everyone. Navigating a course between dishonesty and brutal honesty is not something that most of us have huge trouble with. I mean, there might be minor issues with how honest should I be in a particular situation, but in general, we don't think of it in these black and white terms. Now, if you're thinking that it would be completely bizarre and misguided to think in those black and white terms about honesty, well, you're doing exactly that when it comes to assertiveness. If you don't speak up for yourself because you're afraid of Seeming arrogant or uncooperative or selfish. Your view is just as skewed and you are just as misguided as the dishonest person who's afraid to be honest in case they end up brutally honest and offending everybody. Both of you are missing out on all those positions in the middle of the spectrum. Recognise that character traits come in degrees. Recognise that assertiveness comes in degrees Remind yourself of this the next time you find yourself afraid to speak up. How do you translate that into acting with an appropriate level of assertiveness? How does a theory translate into action? Well, again, it's helpful to look back to Aristotle here, because for Aristotle, cultivating the virtues was about developing the right habits. So by practising doing the right thing, by practising acting virtuously, we become virtuous. So this is an ancient version of fake it till you make it. The idea is that when you start out, doing the right thing is not necessarily going to come easily to you. It's not going to come naturally. You'll have to give it some thought. It might feel uncomfortable. It might not feel like you. It might feel like a personality that you're trying on for size rather than an authentic way of behaving. But that's because you haven't yet developed the habit you need to practice it for a while. And after a bit of practice, it will start to come more naturally. And in this way, it's like learning a new language or learning a new musical instrument or learning to type something like that. When you start out, it's uncomfortable. But after practice, it comes naturally and it just becomes part of you. So how do you develop the right habits when it comes to something like assertiveness? There's no duolingo for assertiveness the way there is for learning Spanish. So how do we know how to navigate that course between the extremes of being a pushover and being arrogant? Well, in thinking about how to cultivate virtues, Aristotle emphasised the importance of a community, education, raising people to be virtuous. And an important part of this was exemplars or role models. So the idea is that you surround yourself with virtuous people and you follow their behaviour. You let them guide you. And this is not an unfamiliar insight, right? We we recognise the importance of role models and community and mentorship in guiding people along the right path. Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. The people around us influence us. And in the world we live in today, that doesn't have to mean just the people you, you know personally. It can also include the people whose books you read, whose podcasts you listen to, whose shows you watch and so on. So how do you practice assertiveness? What does that involve? Now, to find the answers to these questions, you need to look to your role models. Who do you look up to? Who is the person who pops into your mind when you lack confidence and makes you think she wouldn't put up with this? She wouldn't give her time and her energy to other people's priorities, leaving her with almost nothing left for herself. Now, we all have these thoughts and the more we worry about not being assertive, the more of these thoughts that we have. And you can use these to guide you. So next time that role model pops into your mind and you think she would behave differently here, ask yourself, well, what would she do? And once you know what she'd do, do it. Now, there are real benefits of using role models in this way. For a start, by definition, it's somebody that you admire. So... When you catch yourself thinking things like, if I stand up for myself, I'll come across as selfish or arrogant. Remember that that's not how your role model would come across. That's why she's your role model, right? You know that when she stands up for herself, she's not being arrogant, she's being reasonable. This all follows naturally from the fact that when we choose a role model... To guide us in these sorts of situations, we're choosing somebody that we admire. Your role model navigates the right course between the two extremes. She's not a walkover and she's not arrogant and selfish. She's appropriately assertive. Now, another benefit of choosing a role model to guide you is that it makes it much easier to decide how to act. And that's because answering the question what would my role model do in this situation, is easier than answering the more abstract question, what should I do? You don't have to engage in abstract theoretical reflection on what's right and what's wrong, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. All you need to do is consider what your role model would do. And if she'd do it, it's probably the right thing to do. Now, What do you do if you are still stuck in this stage of thinking, yep, it's possible to be more assertive, but it's not possible for someone like me. Now, this is all very well for my role model. Of course, she can do it, but I can't. I'm not that sort of person. If that's the way you're thinking, just get it into your head that yes, you are. Take a moment to reflect on what you think an assertive person is. And there's a couple of possible obvious answers here. One is that an assertive person is just someone who acts assertively. Another is that an assertive person is someone for whom acting assertively comes naturally. Now, that second one is the Aristotelian way. That's somebody who has developed the character trait of being assertive. And that takes a while, but it's obtainable. This isn't something you're either born with or not. It's something that you develop and you develop it by acting assertively. Once you do that once... You are an assertive person in the other sense. And the more you practice it, the more it will feel like part of you. Remember, you are not contractually bound by your past behaviour. The fact that you've been overly accommodating in the past doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. I mean, sure, people might be surprised if they're expecting you to do what they need you to do and you politely but assertively decline to do it. But honestly, that's not a big deal. Think of how you'd feel if you were in a position of asking somebody to do something and to your surprise. They politely told you that they weren't able to do it. I mean, five seconds later, you're going to have forgotten that. Now, I know that a lot of the time when people think about acting assertively and feel frightened and uncomfortable about the idea, it's because we have this feeling of being trapped, that we're put on the spot. Somebody makes a demand and there and then we need to pass the test. We need to act assertively. But actually, it doesn't have to be like that. For one thing, you can prepare You can practice ways of responding to unreasonable and unmanageable demands. Think of how your role model would respond for a start. What would she say in that situation? It can be something as simple as, I'm sorry, I don't have the time for that right now. Another thing you can do is buy yourself time. If somebody is making a demand on your time and your energy that is significant enough for you to want to turn down, you're entitled to think about it. So instead of telling yourself that you have to say yes or no right away, or that if you don't say no now, you can never say no. You can say something like, I need to have a think about whether I can do this. Let me get back to you. Or can I let you know next week? Do that. And then you've got time to compose your reply. So these are ways that you can ease yourself with comfort into acting more assertively to get the outcomes that you want. And remember, when you say no to somebody else, What you're doing is prioritising what matters to you. So give some thought to what that is, because that can be an important motivation too. When you're saying no to somebody else, what is it that you're saying yes to? And you can do this. Get out of the black and white thinking. Draw on your community. Surround yourself with people whose lives you want. Ask for their advice, their support, their mentorship. Read their books, their articles, their blogs. These are all your tools in developing the sort of traits that you need to have to get the results that you want. Thanks for listening. And before I go, happy birthday to Romby, my awesome coach. I'm Dr. Rebecca Roach, and you've been listening to The Academic Imperfectionist. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast app you like to use. For more information and updates about the podcast, my coaching, or just to get in touch and say hi, please visit the website at academicimperfectionist.com. Follow me on Twitter at academicimp or on Facebook at Academic Imperfectionist. Thanks for listening and see you next time.